If you would turn in your Bibles this morning to Mark chapter 10, verses 13 through 16. Mark 10, verses 13 through 16. So this is our second to last sermon uh, in the book of Mark as we're going through this series. Uh, and we are looking today at a sermon titled, Jesus Loves the Little Children. And as we looked at Wednesday night, we've been looking at some things that we're going to be focusing, focusing on coming up in this new year. Um, and you'll, be, you'll hear more about that at the end of the service with some things we're, we're doing. But I, I firmly believe that this is going, that focusing on what this scripture talks about today will be one of the most impactful things we can do as a church that will help us to grow and help us to reach people, and help us to be who God calls us to be. Uh, so if you would, if you are in Mark chapter 10, verses 13 through 16, we'll go ahead and read that now. And they were bringing children to him, that he might touch them, and the disciples rebuked them. But when Jesus saw it, he was indignant, and said to them, Let the, little, let the children come to me. Do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. And he took them in his arms and blessed them, laying his hands on them. Let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the truth that we can find in in, in the Bible and in Scripture. And God, I pray that today that as we look at what your word says to us, that you would help us to lay ourselves aside, lay aside what we might think, lay aside what the world may tell us, but only focus on what you tell us, Lord. And, and I pray that you would help us to, to follow you. God, I pray that, that the words we, we, that I speak may be yours and not my own, that we can glorify you this morning. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. The first thing we see in this passage uh, is, is very clear. And I think this passage is clear. It's probably one you've heard of many times. I know every time I walk into a children's area of a church that you, you see these things, you know, probably written on the wall or these scriptures hanging and, and, you know, let the little children come to me. But the first thing we see is that Jesus values and loves children. There are many scriptures as well that, that proclaim the value of children, the blessing that children are. If we look at Psalm 127.3, behold, children are a heritage from the Lord the fruit of the, of the womb, a reward. And then Proverbs seventeen six, grandchildren are the crown of the aged and the glory of children is their fathers. So we see in scripture, we see a, a value and, and a, a level of respect and blessing that children are. They are a good thing. Children are a good thing. Whether they are planned or unplanned, children are a blessing. They are a good thing that we should value we see that Jesus values children. So what, what we, happens in this story is that parents are bringing their children to Jesus so that they may encounter him, so that he may bless them or touch them. And, and the disciples re, kind of try to send them away. They try to dismiss the children. Oftentimes, I think that's how we regard children, isn't it? As though they are a nuisance, as though they are getting in the way like today, children can be dismissed. There's this idea, well, when I grow up or when you grow up, you're even beyond that. When you get married, 
when you start a career, when you have kids. We place all these milestones in front of children and and teenagers and young adults even that, well, when you have done these things, then you have a value that is greater than you had before. When you have done these things, when you have gotten older, when you have done and accomplished these things, then you can step into the conversation. Then you can have value. The disciples were sending them away because they viewed Jesus' interactions as being for the adults, that these children would be a distraction, that they would get in the way. They were not ready. They were not who Jesus came for. There's a bad habit in the world of looking at children as being over, as immature and in need of growing up in life. We must understand that childhood is not simply a stage that must patiently, patiently be waited through until they are adults and are contribute, able to contribute in ways we might value. Certainly children have to mature, they have to grow, they have to be taught, but right where they are, they have value. Right where they are, Jesus loves them, Jesus values them, Christ died for them. And we should love them where they are as Jesus loved them where they are. We also need to realize that childhood is a crucial time in which children are being formed into the people they will become. And it is vital that as they form, we do not neglect their spiritual formation. Children are growing and learning at, at a rate that is far more rapid than adults. It's hard to believe, looking back at pictures a year ago or two years ago, to see how far our children have grown and how far they have come. Two years ago, Barrett wasn't here, and now he's walking around trying to dance for you all during worship. He's excited. He, he, loves, he, has, he has a love to, to be with people. And all the research that's been done about Christians indicate that most Christians come to faith in Christ as children. And when I say children under the age of 13. If you think back on your salvation, I would argue that many of you probably encountered Christ at a young age. And if you waited till later in life, you probably had very formative experiences in church. How many of you remember vacation Bible school or Sunday school teachers or, or times where your parents were reading you the scriptures where that was very influential in your life or, or someone else that stepped in your life and shared the gospel with you as a child? Because Jesus loves and values children, we should love and value children as well. To advocate for children, their protection, their health and safety, as well as the unborn. There is clear evidence of the value of life even before birth that we see in Scripture. Psalm 139, 13 through 16 says, For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your hands saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them. The days that were formed for me, when, I was, when as yet there were, was none of them. There is nothing about abortion that is pleasing to God. It is the intentional ending of a human life. Uh, this week I had the opportunity to go to um, a breakfast for, for pastors from the, from the right to life and and I had asked this question when I got here, if there was a Christian crisis pregnancy center. And many people did not really have a good answer, but I do know that there is one coming, uh, coming to be here very soon. 
It's actually going to be very close to where I live. So that's very encouraging as well. And, and they are hoping to be able to, to reach people. I know where I came from in Elizabethtown, there was a crisis pregnancy center. And my wife subscribed to, to their prayer notifications that every time an abortion-minded client would walk in, that they would send out a text to say, please pray, we have a client that's considering abortion. She got at least seven text messages a day in a town that is at least half the size of Evansville. There are many people who view life as disposable, and especially the life of the most vulnerable among us, those who have not yet been born. At the same breakfast, they shared imagery, and it was very graphic, and that's why I'm not sharing it with you today, but if you want to know, if you have any question on whether abortion is ending a human life, at eight weeks, you can look and see formed hands and feet. There's also beautiful stories of, of babies that are born at 21 weeks that have survived and lived and are our children thriving today, where there are places where it would be legal to terminate that pregnancy. We must, as Christians, advocate for the unborn and proclaim the gospel and love the people who would be in so desperate a place to consider an abortion. See, to, to put abortion as something that should not happen does not mean to hate the one who is in a place where they might consider it. They're a sinner like you and I. Or it does not mean to hate the one who's gone through with it because they need Christ's love. The, the hard thing we're called to do as Christians is to fight for the unborn and, and to also love those who are against what we're fighting for. We must love the little children all through their life and advocate them, advocate for them. We're called to step into these difficult situations to love people where they are, to proclaim Christ, to, to mentor these parents, to help them, to guide them. And we'll get further into that later, but if, if we look around and, and, and see that there are parents not doing a good job, how can they know if they had no one to show them how to be parents? And I think also there is a call for Christians, not all Christians, but for Christians to certainly step in and adopt babies from those who chose life. There are many Christians that have the ability, and I would say that God is calling to take and, and, and promote not, not just life before, but also to take care of those who did choose life. So we, Jesus values and loves children. And Jesus desires children to come to him. That's the second thing we see. Jesus desires children to come to him. His desire is for children to know him. Jesus came into the world to reconcile the world to himself, and that includes children. While the disciples assumed his ministry was for the adults present, and the children were a nuisance, his desire was for them as well. And I think when we look at the context of this passage and what comes right before it, it's not necessarily intention of what Jesus was teaching, but we can draw some, some conclusions about what Jesus' view and God's view of family is. Right before this passage, Jesus is questioned about divorce. And he gives them harsher laws than they had known previously. They said Moses permits us to give our wife a certificate of divorce and send her away. He says, no, that's not what you're supposed to do. He, he proclaims 
and teaches that marriage should be for life. And so that coupled with this passage coming right after, we can draw a conclusion here. That there is a desire and a design from the beginning of time, if you look early in the scripture, for God's design for the family. One man, one woman, to leave father and mother, be united as one in marriage for life, to have children and raise in the instruction of the Lord. This is God's design for the family. Lifelong marriage that produces children raised in the instruction of the Lord. Now, we live in a world where many would be happy to see the family structure torn apart, where many would would very much disagree with that, would maybe call me a bigot for saying that. But the Bible is clear. God's design is one man, one woman, married for life, raising children in the instruction of the Lord. Now, of course, we live in a broken world. And there are often times where that design is not able to be upheld. Whether it is children uh, that, that are had out of wedlock, whether it is divorce, whether it is any number of things that happen, whether it's tragedy, the loss of a loved one. There are times where that design is not able to be upheld. And God, in His mercy and grace, will still use us and use families when they do not meet this design. But we should always be seeking to be as close to that as possible. Children need mothers who nurture and love them. Children need fathers who will protect and guide them. And even at times, children will need spiritual mothers and spiritual fathers outside of the family unit to step in and love and guide children. There are many great single parents. There are many great divorced and remarried parents. There are many great grandparents who raise their grandchildren. All of these things are are wonderful, but we should not look at those wonderful examples and deny what God has made as his design. When we teach our children, when we raise them, when we seek to, to foster young relationships, we should encourage them. If you're going to get married, it should be for life. I've heard many that have advocated that the current dating culture is just practice for divorce. And in many ways it is. Let's spend some time together, but when you don't fit my needs, I'm going to get rid of you. Dating and preparing for marriage should be in view of marriage, to find one that you will commit to for life. And that doesn't mean if mistakes have been made that we don't put them behind and then look at what is ahead. But when we instruct and teach and we see what we're shooting for, we should seek to grow and see what God's design is. And it is in this family structure, this this two-mother-father home where children are had that, that we see the primary avenue for discipleship of children. And that's important. I think there was a time, especially in the, in the 80s and the 90s, where this kind of got flipped on his head. The primary place that children are discipled is not the church building. It is in their homes from their parents. Parents must be the primary disciplers of their children. If we look at Deuteronomy 6, 6 through 7, And these words I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, and when you lie down and when you rise. And and, and this is, I should have put that in there. This is talking about the great commandment, love love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. 
Teach these things to your children. Every single day, everything you do, teach these things to your children. Ephesians 6, 4, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Proverbs 22, 6, train up a child in the way he should go. And even when he is old, he will not depart from it. So what is the goal of Christian parenting? The goal of Christian parenting is to raise up faithful Christian sons and daughters. I want you to think of the, I mean, the idea of, of child dedications. There are, I haven't been here for one, but I know that at the church we were at, we, they got, were born, we dedicated Eliza and Barrett, saying that we would raise them as Christian parents to follow and love the Lord. That should not be a show. That should not be just a milestone that you do. That should be the dedication of your heart and the dedication of your life is to raising these children to follow the Lord because children are a blessing from the Lord, but we must understand they do not belong to us. They belong to the Lord. Shane Pruitt, uh, the the next-gen director of uh, North American Mission Board, said this, Parents, one day our children will stand before King Jesus, and he'll care little about their grades, their batting averages, their three-point percentages, their yards per carry, popularity, college transcripts, or class rank, how are we investing in their souls? The one thing he cares about. Everything that we do in our life, everything that we may teach our children, the greatest thing we can teach them is to love the Lord. Some of you may have regrets, and some of you may look at your life, and and your children may be gone, and you may look at your life, and you, you see your children as a prodigal even. That they are like the the prodigal son that they grew up in a house that loved the Lord, but now they're gone far away. What I believe that that God's challenge to you today is, is do not give up on your family. Do not give up on your children, whether they're still children or not. If they're adults, do not give up on what God has entrusted you with, which is your children. To love them, to share the gospel with them, to, to proclaim and to be Christ's love in their life. Do not stop ever trying to take care of and and to to love and to nurture what God has given you in the blessing of children. Because when the day comes they stand before Jesus, the, the, the only thing that will matter is whether or not they know the Lord. And so we must make that a priority in our lives. So the parents are the primary disciples, but that does not mean that the church does not play a role. The church has a major role in discipling and reaching children. Jesus desired that children would come to him and the church should too. The church should make one of its highest priorities, the training and equipping of children to follow Jesus. As we mentioned before, this is one of the greatest times we have influence in the lives of children. Every single day, children are being formed by something. And increasingly, these things are are, are scary. I've seen numerous posts online about a, a popular... TV show that's on Netflix now that is definitely a, a show for adults that children are coming in and, and singing the theme song of. A very violent and graphic show. Kindergartners coming in singing the theme song of this show that is definitely made for adults. Things that are harmful to children are more accessible than ever before. And we must make sure that in this time of easy influence that the church is having a great influence in the lives of children. 
The church must be focused on providing an environment, quality instruction, and support for families with children so that we can strengthen marriages, that we can provide quality marriages that when children are brought into, they will be brought up in the, the in instruction of the Lord and to equip parents to better, to better disciple their children. That was what I was mentioning before is that if, if a parent thinks that, that the best thing they can do is just take their kids to church and that's enough, the two, three hours that a child may get at church is not going to compare to the many, many hours they're being influenced by the world. So there must be discipleship in the home. And we also must make it a priority that children are discipled and engaged in the church body. And this does not mean that they are an afterthought. This does not mean that we just do a couple special events each year for children, but that the, the forming of children is a part of the regular and focused discipleship that happens in the church. That the, the body, the worship, the, the body of Christ that gathers together is including and, and fostering a faith in Christ. Because what terrifies me is that I see Barrett here jumping around and excited to be in worship and then 15 years from now he doesn't want to be here. If we will foster what children, their, their love for God, which is so clear and apparent, one of the most fun things to do is volunteer at VBS and to see the excitement that they have, to see how, how willing children are to learn. But we must make that a priority and not dismiss them as the disciples did and say, well, this is for adults. We'll, we'll find a babysitter to take care of the kids while, while the adults are, are, are meeting so they're not in the way. We must make it a priority. As a church, we must be a family of believers that facilitates and supports families of believers. As a larger body, we should be full of many smaller bodies of families that raise Christian children. This is an essential part of who we are called to be. And the danger of not doing this is that we might hinder children from coming to Jesus, whether on accident or on purpose. Jesus forbids us from hindering children. This is the third thing we see. Jesus forbids us from hindering children. I think there are many ways that we hinder children. We could dismiss them the way the disciples did. We could regulate them to doing something else, placing their needs as secondary or ignoring them altogether, focusing on the needs of adults to the point where they do not encounter Jesus and missing that they can have meaningful encounters with Christ. They can learn. They can be taught. They can learn and be formed. Even if they don't understand everything, they can learn what it means to know God at a very, very young age. We could place other things as important. We mentioned this in a, in a previous sermon about when a good thing takes a place of a better thing, when a good thing is in the wrong place. And I want to, I want to challenge you with the scripture we read, pre, we read previously to think about it a little bit differently. Proverbs 22.6, train up a child in the way he should go, and even when he is old, he will not depart from it. The question that we must answer is what is your child being trained in? What is your child being trained in? What were your children trained in? Because that is what they will not depart from. That doesn't mean that, I mean, because that's, that's reality, is if, if they were trained that going to church is just something you have to do on Sundays, they might do that. They might feel obligated to go to church on Sundays. But we should train them to have a real relationship with Jesus so that that is what they will have for their life. Many of you may have heard the, the country song, Watching You. Whereas a dad telling the story about how his kid's riding with him and he's eating his Happy Meal and 
He, the light turns to red a little too quick and he slams on the brakes and everything goes flying. And he hears his little four-year-old son say a word that kind of concerned him. He said, now, where'd you learn to talk like that? He said, I've been watching you. I want to be just like you. And later in the song, he sees, he hears him praying to God as though he was talking to a friend. And he said, where did you learn that? He said, I've been watching you. Your children are watching you. And if you value your relationship with Christ, we can pray that they will value it. But if you are teaching them anything and everything other than a life that is devoted to Christ, likely they will live anything in, it, in, in anything other than a life devoted to Christ. Now, that doesn't mean that you can't try your very best and still have people that will wander. But if you are actively and identifiably not following Christ closely in your life, we definitely cannot expect that our children will do that. So what are your children being formed by? Is it Christ or is it something else? Academics, sports, leisure, chasing what's enjoyable, what are they being formed by? There's also the temptation of allowing the world to influence them. There are, like I said before, there are many things that are evil in the world that your children will encounter. There are many things that are, are other than Christ that your, your child will encounter. And, and, and be very guarded of your children. Be very guarded of who you allow to influence your children. It's not just people that might harm your children. We hear those terrible stories of people that prey upon children and do terrible things, but, but the, the media they consume, the songs they listen to, what is filling their minds? What is it that is influencing them? What is shaping the person they will be tomorrow? If we do not protect and guide our children through these times, they may encounter things that are harmful to them. And it won't always be popular, but we are called to protect our children. We must make sure we invest in our children. We also should evangelize children to share the gospel with them. Because there are many parents and many families who aren't believers. And Christ loves them and Christ loves their children. And we should seek to evangelize and to, and to help them to know Christ. But there's all this that we learn about what we should do for children. How we should love children, how we should nurture children. But there's another thing that Jesus says in this passage. For to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a small child shall not enter it. Jesus calls us to be like children. Jesus calls us to be like children. So what are the qualities that believers should see in children that they should emulate? I think the first thing we see is that, that believers should be filled with faith rather than skeptical. Something that happens is and as you grow older, as you get burned enough times, as you hope something will happen and it doesn't, that you start to lose faith in things and people. You start to, to be a little skeptical, a little... It's easier to, to look at ourselves rather than to others. I know the... And I asked Jade if I could share this, so I'm not, I'm not doing this out of nowhere, but on the day we came for our interview, we were in the parking lot waiting to, to, to meet everyone for the first time and... And Jada just mentioned, you know, because I was nervous, she was nervous, and said, I'm scared, you know, just out of nerves. And Eliza in the backseat says, don't be scared, Mommy. God will protect you. And then she prayed and said, dear God, please help Mommy not be scared. That is what it means to have faith like a child. That their default reaction is to trust God. Their default reaction is that it's okay, God will, will, will trust you. 
God, God will take care of you. I don't know if you can remember. There are, there are definitely things I remember when I was young that, that had nothing. They, they weren't the way the world worked. But I knew and I had a faith in God that God could do anything. But it's almost as though we grow older and we start to rely on ourselves rather than God. We start to look to what, what we can do rather than what amazing things God can do. We also know that children are selfless. There's so many times where you've seen and heard stories of children doing amazing things, giving the entirety of their, their birthday money or the entirety of their allowance to a great cause because they felt compelled that they could use it more than they could. I, I was watching a, a video of children who, when their friend had cancer, they, they did everything they could to raise money. And then when their child, that child had to, their friend had to shave their head, they shaved their head as well. No thought. No second question, no, no second guessing, no question. They did everything they could to minister, to, to, to reach and to, to care about others. So that's what we must do. Rather than thinking about what we want, what, uh, what would be best for us, but how can we love others? Because Christ is the ultimate example of selflessness. Rather than, than remaining on the throne, he stepped down from his throne to be among us, to give his life for us so that we could be reconciled to God. And that's, that's one of the great differences between Christianity and other world religions is that other world religions uh, talk about different ways to get to God. And there was a, I've heard the story of a, a summit of world leaders where they're all saying, well, you know what? It's kind of like we're all just talking about different ways to get up to God and we're all kind of the same. And, and the Christian that was there said, no, it's not like that at all. You all are trying to get to God, but it's impossible. There's no way to climb that mountain. There's no way for us to get to God. There's no way for us to get there. What, what my God did is he came down and got me. He came down and brought us back to him. And that's what he does for all who would believe in Jesus. And there's an innocence that's associated with children, a spotlessness. And that's part of why we must seek to keep ch children sheltered from certain things in the world because we have a they have a level of innocence to them. Even the, the least Christian parents, even those who have no boundaries to what they would maybe, there are, they have limits. There's things they're not going to let their little children see. There's things they wouldn't let their little children hear. They, even, even those people that may be as far from God as we can imagine have limits and understand the innocence of children. James 1.27 says this, Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Christians are called to be holy. They're called to be set apart, to be like Christ. We should seek to be holy as our heavenly Father is holy. We've already mentioned that, that children are trusting. Often to their detriment, we have to teach children, and it's kind of a hard, we, we've been talking about that. How do we teach children to be aware of strangers and not to just go with anyone without making them not talk to anyone? Because that's, that's something that we worry about at, at some times because Eliza would just go with anybody and Barrett would just go up to anybody and would go with them. They're trusting. Our Heavenly Father is worth trusting. No matter who has broken your trust in your life. And I know for many, it's their earthly father. Many have a hard time turning to God because their earthly father didn't live up to what they were called to be. Maybe it was your parents. Maybe it was a person that you trusted, another adult a friend, 
no matter who has hurt you, no matter who has, has broken you and, and, and caused you to struggle to trust others, your heavenly father will never disappoint you. He will never leave you. He'll never forsake you. And he loves you. And he is worth trusting. So the question you must ask today is, is do you trust God? Do you have faith in God like a little child? Have you trusted him today as your Lord and Savior? Have you understood that because of your sin, you're separated from him? You have a gap between you and God that only the blood of Christ can overcome. Only what Jesus did on the cross can overcome. Have you trusted him today? Have you asked him to save you? Do you have children in your life? At home, grown, biological or not, it does not matter. Do you have children that you can help lead to Christ? They may have even grown. Do you have children that you can help lead to Christ? How can you serve in the church to help disciple and lead others and lead children to follow Jesus? And I want you to consider how have you hindered children from being able to get closer to Jesus, intentionally or unintentionally? Today is the day to lay all of these things down because this is what Scripture clearly portrays. We lay all of these things down, any past hurt, any past shame, any past regret, and we follow Christ faithfully. We follow Him today. The Apostle Paul, which he sure had to do that, didn't he? Forgetting what is behind and looking forward to attain the goal that is in Christ Jesus. No matter what mistake, no matter what regret you have, it is forgiven in Christ if you have trusted Him. And he will empower you to live out what he calls you to do from here on forward. Today, we must lay everything aside and trust in Jesus. And so as we go into this time of invitation, I would challenge you to reflect on your life, to reflect on where you are. If you do not have a relationship with Christ, today is the day to make that decision. Today is the day to to figure out how you can better participate and what God calls us to do in the ways God calls us to reach and love children the way he has loved them, the way he has loved us. Let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Father, I thank you. I thank you that you have loved us. Each and every person in this room, you have loved them, that Christ died for them. God, I thank you for the people in my life who were faithful, my parents and and those at the church that would share and preach the gospel to me. I thank you for those in this church who have faithfully shared and presented the gospel to their children and many other children and love them in your name. And God, I pray that you would help us to be a church that loves and empowers children to know you, that we would not hinder them, but that we would bring children to you, that we would bring their families to you, that we would help families to encounter you. God, I pray that if any do not know you this morning, that today would be the day they would turn to you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.